When you stop doing marketing, it turns out people forget who you are and then you're subject to the whims of churn rate. Our last CEOs have not been go-to-market focused, so they brought me in specifically to, to take back to the market. And I have to say, as a startup person, do you know how many janky products I have marketed? Here are coming to Kissmetrics. It's a product that $20 million in 15 years of development built. It is stable, it's amazing. In fact, today, somebody made me go off script for a demo and I was clicking the button, you know, like, oh, is this gonna work? It worked. I know that we have the potential to be big again, but it turns out when you don't market a product, you kind of start shrinking. In this episode, I'm talking to Jen Steele, CEO of Kissmetric, a person-based analytics tool that tracks your customer journey across multiple devices. Kind of like Google Analytics, but based on first-party data. We're going to dive into Jen's professional background from HubSpot to Amazon and now Kissmetric. We're also going to talk about her top marketing tips when it comes to attribution and a new marketing channel that the company is testing out in 2023. What is this channel and why does she believe it'll drive a solid ROI. We're also going to try to figure out how much this company makes in revenue. And if she can't answer a question, we both had to take a shot of hot sauce. Wish me luck, Martians. Hope you enjoy this one. Hello. Hello, Martians. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Today, we have a super duper, duper special guest, Jen Steele. She's currently the CEO at Kissmetrics. Um, before Kissmetrics, if you go onto her LinkedIn, you'll see that she's had 20,000 different lives. She's worked at. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it, yeah. She's worked at big companies like HubSpot, where she was the manager of marketing consulting services. And um, she spent two years there. She worked at Amazon um, and uh, other big companies. Like she, she's worked at Madison Logic, Orson. Um, and now she's at Kissmetrics. And for those of you who don't know, uh, that don't know, Kissmetrics, they're basically like Google Analytics, except they're like tracking your, your customers and their entire journey. Um, it's like a, Jen calls it a, 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 like a creepy stalker kind of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to dive into and they, and, and their, their platform, Kissmetrics, they're tracking over a hundred million customers. So a huge, huge platform. Before we dive into all of that, Jen, welcome to the show and thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you so much for having me, although I have a little bit of trepidation as to what's coming up. <laughs> oh yeah. So Jen, you're you're in Seattle and uh, have yes. you spent your whole life in Seattle or did you move around a lot during for, for your career? Moved around. I'm mostly from the East Coast. Like when I was at HubSpot, I was in Boston. Um, I probably spent more of my life in the Boston area than everywhere else. But yeah, wow. I'm not from Boston because see, I wasn't born there. You have to be born in Boston city limits to say that you're from Boston. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was born in Europe. I came over here as a little kid. And then I spent most of my life on the East Coast until, well, Amazon came around Dang. and uh, now I'm in Seattle. Yeah. So you've been in Seattle since 2011. And uh, okay. since then, you've just always been in Seattle, right? So you got you got bit by the well, West Coast. Well, I spent two years in the Bay Area. Okay. I spent two years in the Bay Area before I was like, I miss Seattle. Yeah, you miss the rain. You, don't you guys get a lot of rain like Vancouver? Because I'm in Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, we're a three-hour drive apart. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens to be across an, an international border. But, <laughs> but yeah, I actually... 
I was really messed up. So in the Bay Area, I went for a run in January and with no no coat, no jacket, no nothing. And I didn't know what month it was. I didn't know what season it was. I was so confused. I was like, I need to live somewhere with more seasons. Mm, that's true. LA is the same thing, right? They get sun for like 300. Yep. Although this year is a little bit weird because you know some people in LA, they've been raining a lot. <laughs> they have like snow, snow or something yeah. in, in the hills. I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, we have some mutual connections. Uh, so three episodes ago, we had... Uh, Andy from Gated come on and I just found out minutes ago that you are an advisor at Gated. Yes, I love Gated. I love Andy. I love Melissa. I think they're they're doing a lot of really fun stuff and I need I ha I didn't catch Andy's episode and I desperately need to check that one out so that I can mock him later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that. But before we do all that, you know what's coming up. We're starting off the show with the shot of hot sauce. I have three hot sauce prepared. What do you got? What's your, what's your weapon of choice? <laughs> so I went with this one because you said to be gentler to myself, and I usually am because this is a lot of hot sauce, and it has a good flavor. Yep. And of course I have something to chase it with. And then if I need it, I have some water. Just in case. So this is my arsenal. All right, Lifeway, you should send Jen a, a special thank you for that product placement. That is a uh, product placement. <laughs> if I've ever seen product placement. So, okay, let's let's start off uh, with a shot of hot sauce. Okay. And the, okay. the theme is every single time you cannot answer a question, we'll be doing another shot of hot sauce. Hey, I haven't even had any questions so far. Okay, I have a little measuring thing to make sure I don't kill myself. All right. I'm going to pour. I'm starting off with a lighter hot sauce, and then I'm going to go up. Mm -hmm. All right, so I filled this spoon. <laughs> Okay, right. I tried to get a spoonful in here. Okay, cheers. 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 Okay. This is habanero. No. I was like, what are you what are you doing? So this is um from Portland. This is also from Portland. And this one is from Seattle. Nice. I don't know if you know this one. I don't know if I want to try this one, but I I don't know that one. There, I know a few around here that I really like the taste of, but they would have killed me and I would have been dead. Okay. When I come down to Seattle, I'll let you try this one. We'll do it together. Got it. It's not, Got it. It's not really fun if you do a lot, but if you do a little bit, it's pretty fun. Yeah. All right. So let's start off, this, let's start off the show. Um, before we dive into everything that you guys are doing and your background and everything, maybe let's give Kissmetric some love. Tell us exactly what exactly um, Kissmetric does, what problem they're solving, and uh, how do you guys make your money? Sure. Um, that's kind of a big question. Fundamentally, Kissmetrics, kind of as you said, we allow you to be a creepy stalker. And what I mean by that is we do behavioral analytics across your website, your apps, yeah, your SaaS products, your e-commerce sites, right? Anywhere that people are basically using a computer and interacting with your company on a property that you own, right. we can track. I mean, heck, we can even track desktop things because people can submit events to the API. And then we tie it all back to a single ID. For most folks, that's an email address or it can be a user ID. It can be a phone. It can be whatever you, whatever you make it. And the cool thing about that is that and, and we can track custom actions. We can do a lot of things so that you can say, okay, how do I want to look at my users? How do I want to see how they're behaving? 
Like, do I need to answer questions? What questions do I need to answer? My favorite question that kind of drives this home is, you know, I have a really big marketing background. I'd write a blog post kind of about a feature, right? Yeah. We launched a feature, et cetera. And then people would use the feature, but I couldn't tie the two together, right? Or I'd run a campaign on the feature, but I couldn't tie the two together because we track the people throughout their entire journey. You can run a quick report to say, of all the people that saw the blog post on feature A, how many of them used feature A? Oh. And that's just a simple business question to answer, but it really tells you the effectiveness of what you're doing. Right. So there's this whole thing when I talk to any CMO, um, there's this whole thing about cookie tracking and how that's being phased away. Look. Like Google is planning to phase that away in 2024. There's been a whole thing about iOS. Up. Oh, yeah. They've been planning to phase that away like in 2020 and 2018. Keeps trying to, yeah, yeah, it keeps pushing forward. Are you worried at all? Yeah. Uh, about uh, all these platforms planning to stop cookie tracking and like protecting user data and not allowing you to retarget as easy and maybe tracking is also going to get harder. Are you worried about that at all? Um, yes and no. Um, so we don't do anything with third party cookies. We're first party only, which helps because third party is the first one they're going to kill off. And then... Honestly, internet stalker, creepy, creepy stalkers will always be able to find you. No, seriously, um, we, there are other technologies that we can use um, in order to, to really uh, track your people across your website. Uh, um, it's somewhat unfortunate, but at the same time, it's always a balance between doing what your customers want, i.e. leaving them alone, and doing what your customers need, i.e. telling them about your benefits. Uh, so... I, I've always had the opinion that, you know, okay, let's say all cookies go away um, and we haven't implemented the next generation technology, which of course we're developing now. And a lot of other people are too. We're not like that smart, but, um, but let's say that we didn't do it. Okay. So now your whole marketing website is anonymous um, and that's okay. I mean, I can't necessarily tell you who looked at your blog post and then, um, use that feature, but you can still report fairly well on what's happening with everything that you're doing. I mean, it's not the easy straight line from a campaign to revenue right. the way that marketers really want, right. but you can still measure marketing by the old vanity metrics that we all hate now. <laughs> How many people came to this blog post? How many people did this thing? How many people did that thing? And it's my opinion that good marketing will always lead to revenue, um, even if you can't track it. And that's blasphemy for the CEO of a metrics platform to say, but still it's, I, I think good marketing just, it will work and we will find a way to measure it. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, cause I know a lot of what you do is probably it's first party data. So it, it kind of blends in SEO and PPC and just any, any way that they've come to, to land on your customers' websites, but talk to us a little bit about what's going on in the PPC world. Um, a lot of companies are cutting back budget, right? I don't know if you're seeing this at all, but I would love to hear your opinion. And it's a lot of this is because it's difficult to, um, attribution is kind of all over the place. It's really wonky. Yes. People are using the word called dark social now. It's just like an area that you just cannot track. <laughs> Be careful. Kissmetrics has that, or is it dark funnel? But, uh, not Kissmetrics, uh, Sixth Sense has yeah. one of those trademarked. I can't remember which one. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think, what do you think about that? When, when, when marketers, cause marketers want to know every single dollar where it went, 
and they want to track everything, right? Mm-hmm. Totally understand. But it's getting that's because their CEO expects them to. Because their CEO expects them to. Um, are you on the camp? Um, you know what? Before I ask any deeper, I just want to hear your thoughts on that and just your overall thoughts on you know attribution for PPC. Yeah. So this is an interesting one because I used to be co-head of marketing at Visible before we were acquired by Marketo. So I have opinions with a capital O um, about attribution. The interesting thing is that after I worked at Visible, I then worked at some companies where maybe the CEO didn't believe in attribution or maybe somebody else thought that first touch was the way to go or hadn't had very strong opinions about that. And I'm sitting there going, excuse me, uh, expert here. Um, And I actually eventually came to the conclusion that the best attribution is whatever the heck your company can agree to use. Now, uh, in marketing, you need to be able to draw some straight lines. But honestly, if your CEO is not going to believe it, don't show them. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. uh, There there are some uh, CMOs that um, that are coming up now and saying, that there are just some there are some areas where you're spending money that is just not going to be trackable. Let's let's say your CEO is like, I want to know every single dollar where it went. I, w- I want to know the performance for all the the pay channels and everything. And it's just getting harder yes. and harder to track. There are some CMOs that are on the camp where it's like, you know, look, we're drawing this line on the sand where thirty percent of our spend is going towards branding and brand awareness. That is just mm-hmm. not going to be trackable. We're, we're going to talk about high level numbers like views and impressions, but we're not going to be able to track what happens and there's not going to be a revenue number tied yeah. to it. Some CMOs are saying 30%, some CMOs are saying 50%, some are even saying 60%. Are you on that cam? Do you believe uh-huh. that there should be a budget that is just not trackable, that's just for awareness and just good old marketing? So, I mean, I grew up through product marketing and a little bit of demand, but I'm mostly brand and product marketing, which are, of course, the unmeasurable (laughs) marketing pieces. So I want to say yes. I do want to say, though, and while I don't think people should spend billions and billions of dollars trying to figure out, like, what their brand spend got them, um, because I've I've also taken part in those things of like, well, so if we do a survey and we do it this way, then maybe we can look at this and we can look at that and we can benchmark this. And I'm like, and now I'm spending half my brand budget on just figuring out how the heck to me- to measure brand. Like this doesn't even make yeah. sense. But there are proxies. So for example, at my last company, um, when we raised our Series B and we did a big um, freemium launch, was this Ors- Ors- we Ors- actually got a reprise. No, this was reprise. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, nobody knows how to pronounce it. As long as they spell it right on the check, we're all fine. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, I stole that from one of the co-founders who used to say that to VCs. That was not original. I, I just thought I'd point that out. Oh. Uh, but so we were able to see um, uplift um, everywhere. Like when we looked at, um, at, we didn't know about Kismetrics. I didn't know about Kismetrics until I, so I, we looked at Google Analytics. Um, it was a pain in the butt. I made somebody else do it. And we looked at um, ge- geographically and basically like time series. So there was like before and after we started advertising. And did we see more of an uplift in the three geographic areas um, that we spent all the money to advertise? Like we had cab toppers. We had bus stations all the way up and down like Market Street in San Francisco. We had the NASDAQ billboard. We had all sorts of really fun things. And the answer was yes, we did see an uplift in traffic. Now, you can't know which of those eyeballs actually 
came from the billboard and converted to revenue. But you could prove that. And of course, we found one fun thing, um, and that was that it was like, wait, another area, the fourth geo with a big lift was Virginia, rural Virginia. And we realized, oh, that's AWS US East. <laughs> that's oh. <laughs> people are using VPNs. And so Google Analytics thinks they came from Virginia. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, how much of it do you think, how much of performance marketing is just a function of the way the internet made things so much faster for us and marketers just want the answer right away. They want to know what's working right away, right away. Like as soon as a view comes in, I want to know exactly where it comes yeah. uh, in from, where how that drives to revenue. And now even our videos are getting faster from 20 minute clips. We used to be able to sit down for 20 minute clips and now it's getting five minutes and then one minute. And now we can, can't even barely wait yeah. six seconds. Uh, how much of that is just our, our, uh -huh. our just just the way that uh, we're, our brains are wired now and we just want answers right away. When really marketing just comes down to like, just be creative. Like if you have a creative idea, the numbers will come through and you just gotta wait. Well, it's be creative, talk to the, talk to your target customers, the way that they talk and the way that they wanna be talked to um, and be where they are. Be where they are, yeah. So actually you're talking about <laughs> brand, you're talking about product marketing and messaging, and now you're talking about demand gen is really be where they are. Like making sure the messages are in the right, in the right places and that they can find you. Yeah, 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 no, this is awesome. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Kissmetrics. I wanna learn more, and I'm okay. sure the audience is dying to learn as well. Where you guys are at, you guys are probably one of the larger analytics platforms out there, you know, next to you would think so, but actually we're not. We're we're fairly small. We do handle a lot of. We handle. We have some enterprise customers that that pump a lot of users through, or a lot of their users uh, through. But um, Kissmetrics um, kind of fell off the map for a while. Like I remember it back in the day yeah. um, when I was at HubSpot and stuff like that. And actually, until they came after me to be CEO, I was like, oh wait, they're still around. Really. Who owns because them now? Obviously, I and know. It's just like you and I, like, we we've yeah. been in marketing for a while, right, right. right? So, so you and I both know, yeah. and we recognize the brand. But I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know they died died off. Yeah, I mean, we're not dead yet, <laughs> but um, it's people like when when you stop doing sales and marketing. I mean, this is kind of a marketing podcast, right? Or marketing video and um when you stop doing marketing it turns out people forget who you are and then you're subject to the whims of churn rate so um our last ceos have not been going to market focused and so they brought me in specifically to to take his back to the market and i have to say as a startup mostly marketer although i've done sales as well but as a startup person do you know how many janky products i have marketed mm. like Ooh, maybe we're not going to market that feature because it doesn't work. Or I'm going to tell you it does this because they tell me in three sprints it will. And, and like, that's how I'm used to it. Here I come into Kissmetrics. It's, it's a product that $20 million and 15 years of development have built. It is stable AF. Like all the features work. It's, it's amazing. In fact, today, somebody like, uh, you know, made me go off script for a demo. And I was like, clicking the button, you know, like, oh, is this going to work? It worked. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so um, I, I know that we have the potential to be big again. 
Um, but it turns out when you don't market a product, you kind of start shrinking. Okay, let me ask you a couple of hot sauce questions here now. Well, I'll ask okay. you rapid fire around a couple of questions and I'll see how many you can answer. Okay. So how, mu how much money has uh, have you guys raised this metrics? Um, over all the years, around 20 million. Around 20 million to date. Okay, when was the last round? Do, do you remember? Um, we had some private invest investment in 2019. Okay. Um, and that was roughly because you started in 2022. Um, so mm -hmm. two, about two, two years or, th or three years after that. Okay. Um, yes. Do you know what valuation that was at? <clears throat> okay. There you go. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm stepping up the game now. I'm going to the next level two. Okay. We're going level two. Okay. Turns out this sticks to the side. So I'm going to actually put a little bit more in this time. Right. Oh, and there's a delayed, delayed, uh, light in the back. Oh, there's, is that supposed to be the hot yeah. house lights? Okay. Okay. That is spicy. Yeah. I am really glad that I eased off the spice on my lunch. As we were discussing earlier, I usually put jalapenos in and things like that. And I'm like, maybe not today. Yeah. Oh, are you okay over there? I wish I could hand you something. I wish I can just grab that off of you right now. <laughs> so this has a, a Carolina Reaper. And, um, oh my, you are a brave soul. Yeah. I'll bring it, I'll bring it to, uh, Seattle. I'm going to get you and, uh, Annie to try it next time. <laughs> but, all right. Let's see. I'm going to be careful with what else I ask. But, um, so you guys have raised some money. Do you know, um, can you name some of the bigger investors that, that, uh, invested in the previous rounds? Um, honestly, I can't. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know off okay. the top of my head and my current investors are a bunch of private folks because oh. they bought it from them. So nobody currently in the company is from a major investor that invested in the past. Like nobody on the board. It's a right. changed ownership in 2019. I see. Okay. Um, whew. Okay. Sorry. After all of that, I choked on the freaking kefir, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> There was a piece of mango in it. It went right down like, my throat. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> oh, that is so spicy. Okay. Um, so you've... All right, let's talk a little bit about marketing. Since you've taken over the ring, okay. you've been more focused on GTM. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about um, may maybe your marketing budget. Like at, as part of uh, your G GTM, yes. like how much, how much are you allocated for marketing spend per month or per, per year or whatever? Um, honestly, it's only, it's project based right now. So like it's, I want to spend $10,000 doing this paid search experiment, or I want to spend $30,000 doing this video for YouTube. Um, and so it's, it's a little on the haphazard side. And also we actually are self-funding and, and profitable. Right. And so, um, slightly profitable cause you know, it is an economic downturn. So everybody's a little janky right now, but, um, as a result, it's almost like I can, I, my marketing budget is what I can afford to spend after my, the rest of my bills are paid. I see. Um, speaking about the marketing uh, of the downturn, are you guys experiencing 
um, the effects of the so-called downturn? Yeah. Our customers are not all on annual contracts. In fact, a lot of them, especially the smaller ones, are on month to month. And while our churn metrics are actually pretty good, um, we did have one month last year, I think it was October, like when everything seemed to be falling apart um, and churn spiked. And of course, I've been at the company like three months and wow. I was like, um, this isn't sustainable. How high? How high did it go up to? Do you remember? It went, it was between five and six percent. Oh, that's still not so bad. That's still okay. Well, except that I'll... Like that, you know, I've had other months that are like very close to zero. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I'd prefer to keep those. Uh, this last month, it was actually net negative, which is good, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So marketing budget is ad hoc on an ad hoc basis. Uh-huh. Not super high, ten to $30,000, not including headcount, right? Just just on the, the, right. the marketing. And where are you guys spending? Like name, name your top three or four, uh, marketing channels. Um, well up and coming is YouTube. Um, that's actually how we're going to go after, um, Google analytics Four because that sucks to set up. And so, um, I've actually, I shot it. People can see my, my shining face, tell them, telling them that they will swear less with cosmetics. And so we're going to try some pre-roll stuff on YouTube. Um, we have a nice history of SEO. So actually our inbound and organic still pumps, you know, tens of thousands of people to our website yeah. every month, which is amazing. You know, I would have killed for this kind of traffic at, at some of the companies that I worked for. And it converts. I mean, we only have a free trial and a demo request. And over the last 30 days, I actually just pulled this up this morning, we had an aggregate conversion rate of 2.74%, which for bottom of the funnel offers isn't bad. Wow. 2.74% for, for bottom yeah. of the funnel offers. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and we're not even really trying. <laughs> That's pure organic. Um, I, cause I don't have any, I don't have any paid ads running right, right at this moment. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. So, you know, my go-to-market motions right now are basically in inbound and product-led growth. Product-led growth isn't working as well as I'd like it to, but working on that. <laughs> And, and then the channels are really organic and then, um, happenstance paid when it makes sense. So I'm looking at your guys' site, you guys have incredible domain authority from an SEO standpoint, tons of backlinks, strong organic traffic, um, basically all over the world for a site like Kissmetrics, where you guys are already doing so well and ranking so well for so many different keywords. What else is there to do for you guys? Like, what are you guys working on for SEO? So um, I recently, uh, Onely, O-N-E-L-Y, was nice enough to do a technical SEO assessment. And actually, we're going through that punch list right now. We've got a few things that take a while to like load. Like our drift bot, for some reason, is really laggy. And um, they say we need to redo a bunch of a bunch of other things. And so a lot of it is just cleanup and then trying to speed up the WordPress site. Hey, so you guys are on WordPress and you guys have a how what's your experience been with the Driftbot? Um my sales team has asked me to take the bot off the site. Whoa. They find it annoying. They would rather have a demo request come in. And I think some of it is because we don't have it 
well-constructed. And because my sales team is a little too, like, we, I, we don't have the capacity to like staff it all the time. And so when you don't have the bot constructed right and you don't have it staffed right, then you end up with a lot of like orphaned conversations and they're frustrated by that. Yeah, I, I see. There, uh, we just interviewed a company called Flip CX. Have you heard of them? Okay. I forget uh -huh. where they're, I think they're based, I want to say, you know, I'm not even going to try to guess. I can't remember. Um, I but I spoke with the CMO and he's based in Utah and um, they have a bot that they're working on that is uh, uh, based on AI technology. I mean, you throw in the, mm -hmm. you throw in the keyword AI and it's going to, it's going to be popular <laughs> regardless. But um, apparently they're working with right. some pretty big, big name um, companies. I, I, I don't, and I don't know, there's so many other bots out there, right? Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Some of it is just when you lack resources, you have to prioritize. And so, for example, I prioritized getting a free trial on the website rather than getting the bot off of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just to recap, organic SEO, very strong, probably your number one channel. Uh -huh. You guys are, you guys are yes. working on YouTube right now. Just uh -huh. you know, when, when you say YouTube, you're working on ads, right? mostly ads on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. A any other channels yep. that works for you guys aside from organic SEO and YouTube? Those are, those are where, those are what I have the resources to do right now. Cause otherwise we're still like refining processes and making sure that like, I don't know if you want to buy cosmet cosmetics, you can. Yeah. We want to make that easier. Yeah. Uh, what about events? A lot of companies now are, um, nowadays, they're cutting back on performance marketing because it's harder and harder to attribute, and people are uh, pe people are are kind of thrown off that you can't retarget as well as before. Um, especially the, the performance marketers that have done so well in the past three five well, years when retargeting was easier. Right. And so they're cutting back on performance marketing and spending a lot more money on events. Are you guys doing anything in, for events right now? Are you guys full in on events, or are you kind of taking a backseat on that? No. We're not, I love events, but they're expensive. And I just don't have, I, like, if I have $30,000 to spend, I can do one event or I can do two months of YouTube advertising. <laughs> and I'm going to do two months of ad YouTube advertising right now instead. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, events are expensive. What, one interesting way that we've, yeah. that we've heard um, companies with a tighter budget attend events is, rather than sponsoring events, they just attend them and they film content there. Yeah. Um, uh, yep. Is that something that you guys are potentially looking into or is that? If I were better at filming, <laughs> uh, I will, att I, I have attended events and I will attend events because I'm kind of, you know, I'm the face of Kissmetrics, but also I've got my own personal brand in MarTech. And so luckily I'm at a MarTech company. So for like a Forrester event is coming up soon. I might just go. Yeah. Yeah, and you're also very involved with other organizations. Like you're, um, you're part of Women in Revenue, um, right? Part of Rev Room. Rev Room. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. How many communities would you say you're a part of? Well, according to Slack, it's like seventy thousand. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> excuse me. Um, I would say four or five that I'm a little bit more active in. There's the product-led growth community. There's a marketing operations community, uh, um, women in revenue, rev room. And the one I'm most active in still is the CMO Coffee Talk. Oh, CMO Coffee Talk. Oh. 
Yeah. Which uh, which one is that? I think I've heard I've heard of that. Um, tell us tell us a little bit about that. That's the one that Heinz Heinz Marketing and Six Sense co-sponsored. It actually right. grew out of some Heinz, old Heinz Marketing breakfast that I used to attend in person, and then with with the pandemic, it is now turned into a robust every Friday morning seminar, two different times for the coast, different coasts and uh, the best Slack community yeah, ever. That's, that's, uh, from Matt Hines, right? That's one. Yeah. 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 Um, how many, uh, how many CMOs are a part of that group now? Apparently the general channel just passed 3000, but some of us have had to create new accounts as Flack wouldn't let us change our email address back in the day and things like that. So probably, I would say probably around 2500. And, and do you regularly attend the, mm -hmm. the, the, the coffee chats or you? The Friday yeah. thing? Yes, I do. And I'm, I'm really active on the Slack as well. We have a rants channel that is spectacular where people just rant about nice. things. Nice. I have posted many times in that channel, many, many times. Yeah. So, so, so what, what typically happens at these, at these CMO? Cause one, one of the things that a lot of, what I find uh, a lot of mid-level marketers struggle with to, you know, people can stay, stay around that mid-level marketer as in kind of senior, senior, senior marketing manager, uh -huh. they can be stuck in that area for like years and years and not be able to break through and get to that VP level, director level. And a lot of times it's just because you don't have a, net, a network of people that are CMOs and that are senior yeah. enough and that think in a certain way. So what I find is what's missing is that they just don't have that community. What usually happens, uh, talk to us a little bit about the community that you're a part of, um, especially at CMO coffee chat. Yeah. Like what do you guys talk about? Yeah. What's what's the uh, what's the structure, yeah. et cetera? I think with communities, it's really valuable to have peer communities. So, for example, you can't join CMO Coffee Talk unless you are the top marketer in your company. Um, I don't have a top marketer. I actually have to leave the group once I hire a CMO. So <laughs> at least I promised Matt that I would. So um, and so I don't know what to tell mid-level marketers because Transparently, I didn't spend much time in the middle. Um. I, I, yeah, I, I'm the kind of person that I love small companies. It's easier to rise up faster. And I, I'm a natural leader. And as such, I haven't had to network all that much. Although I definitely got my last few jobs through networking. Actually, my last many jobs through networking. So I would say, um, even though I've never found a mentor, I've hear, heard finding a mentor really helps in making that transition. And there's a very big difference between doing and leading that people don't quite understand. There's not a big difference between doing and managing the doing. Right. But there is a difference between doing and inspiring other people to do and letting go of it and letting them do it their way. And I think a lot of people get stuck in the middle because people can't see them doing right. that little acrobatic work and it's not is I, I love what you just said about kind of letting go but it's not just letting because go because if you just let go and let they might drown and you know they might some people need to drown i mean there are seriously people who and i'm married to one of them who needs to be given enough they need to be given enough rope to hang themselves before that they can actually take off and fly yeah. so 
it is a matter of figuring out, okay, here's me as a leader and here's you. And and I was almost lucky. I was so underwater when I managed my first team. Um, and this was in IT and I was in my late 20s. And um, I was so underwater that I had to let go. Uh, and it would drive me crazy when they, at first, when they would do me, do something very different than I would. And then I realized that sometimes that was a really good thing. Right. Like I had a dude that worked for me that was a box checker and I am not a box checker. I stink at lists. Um, and so having him be very careful and very conscientious, did it drive me crazy? Yes. Was it ph phenomenal to have? Oh my gosh, yes. And so I started saying to myself, people don't do things like I do things. And that's good. I think we all have different strengths, right? And then, and, and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it sounded like, you know, sounded like you had a lot of, uh, you had a lot of different ways of, were, were you more creative, would you say? Like, what was your biggest strength when you, and I assume this was around the time where you were at uh, Morrison's Mahoney, when you were kind of director of IT? Um, I was an IT director, yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually grew up through mostly science and okay. math. You know, I went to MIT, I have a degree in biology. So if you ask me if I'm a creative, I would say no. If you ask people if I am creative, they usually say yes, uh -huh. because... I think sideways, yeah. right? I'm a systems thinker and I'm like, huh, there you go. or let's twist it that way. And so, you know, I was trying, a friend of mine is like a script writer, like, and to me, that's real creative. And I was like, you have, you're more creative than I will ever be. And he's like, no, Jen, you're just different creative. You're like periodic table creative. Wow. <laughs> and, and I think it's just, your creativity is how, like, I know accountants who are creative. Why are they creative? Because they can look at something like a spreadsheet that makes me go cross-eyed and they can say, here's something we're missing. Wow. This is interesting, right? Or, uh, and I just think it's how you define creativity. When did you know that you were a good leader? Like, was there like a one, one moment uh, or like a team that you managed where you're like, holy crap I think I'm pretty good at leading people yeah so the very first team I ever managed I started putting together when I was like 27 or 28 years old and then five and a half years later I got laid off from that job and um when I am in Boston that team still gets together for drinks and we have not worked together for let's just say 15 years give or take so and and they start telling me things like and at some point we become friends instead of I'm the former boss and they're my former right. peons. Right. And and so they start telling me things like, yes, but you're unusual. You are not, you know, you you lead well. And I've tended to keep in touch with nearly everyone I've ever managed. And I get that feedback. Now, either everyone is getting together, blowing smoke up my butt or I'm a decent leader. And I choose to believe the second because that helps my self-confidence. Yeah. And what do they usually say? Like, why are, when they say, when they explain, why is Jen a, a great leader? What do they usually say? Is it because you're really honest? Like, what I find in common with leaders are radical honesty um, and, like, uh, and ability to take people's feedback, like, actually take their feedback. Like, there's yeah. a lot of commonalities. Not actually... But my sales manager was telling me that, that yesterday, literally was saying, you know, you take all of our feedback. And I'm like, yes, because I would do stupid things otherwise. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you just don't have an ego. I'm like, okay, I have to correct you there. I totally have an ego. 
<laughs> but but still, uh, it's. I really think it's there are two things. One is that I really value people. Right. I actually think that every human being has value, and the best part of my job is to make people's lives better and to grow people around me. And whether that's grow them, like explore a taste in wine or be a shoulder to cry on or help them with their next step in the career, like that's where I get a lot of my satisfaction. And that's part of why, you know, I'm active in communities and things like that. Yeah. So I love people. And the other thing is that many brains smarter than one brain. (laughs) I don't care how big I think my brain is. I am not going to be right all the time. And I have very, very big blind spots. And if people do not feel comfortable coming to me and giving me feedback, we're dead mm, in the water. Yeah. No, it, is, it sounds like you you also are quite humble as well. Like you don't you don't think that you know everything. Um, I mean, maybe you're not. <laughs> I mean, look, look. I know I don't know everything, but I've had to learn that the hard look, way. As leaders, <laughs> once you get up to the CMO, CEO level, You've had enough experience. Obviously, you're more experienced as other people in the room. Right. But recognizing as a marketer, as a business person, that things change so quickly, right? Mm -hmm. That you, you, there's no way you can stay on top of all the trends. Like there are 21 year olds that will kick our butts at at everything regarding to to TikTok, right? I know nothing about, Mm -hmm. about that, but I know enough and you probably know enough to be able to give some nuggets. And, and then pass over the rain, right? right? Just know that people are better than us, right? Yes. Yes. Here are the themes we want to hit. Go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so, okay. So you got, you got some pretty good marketing channels um, that you guys are going to be testing YouTube organic. Um, do you, do you know roughly like your CPA, like what it costs to acquire uh, a customer? Do you have stats like that? I do not. You, you don't know the CPA? Okay. Nope. Do you know the LTV of a customer? Yes. What is that? I'm not going to tell you what it is, but <laughs> I know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, while we do that, I might as well ask another question so that we don't get in trouble twice. What, okay. What are you, where are you guys at in terms of revenue right now? Yep, not going to answer that one either. Yeah, I saw somewhere online, so we might as well do it all in one shot. I saw somewhere online that you guys okay. are somewhere around 10 plus, somewhere between 10 and 20 million. That is that not, is not correct. correct. I'm not going to tell you which direction that is not <laughs> correct, but that is not correct. <laughs> all right. Well, we're taking one. We're, we're just taking one. Okay. All right. I'm doing a small one again because this is Carolina Rebra. Okay. Um, meanwhile, I'm like, okay, is that going to get hotter? I'm just doing the same sauce every time. Yeah. Whew, that is. Oh my <laughs> god. All right. Maybe let's not talk about revenue. How many customers do you guys have? How many customers? Um, have right now? it's. Sometimes it's tough to tell with product-led growth because it's like, oh, let's run the numbers and see how many customers we have. Um, currently, we have uh, between two and 300 active user accounts. Some subset of those are probably a majority of them paying you on each. Okay, okay. And you guys have some... I mean, we've got a bunch of... Ed- 
we have some enterprise customers as well. Those I know are customers. <laughs> they're not as, you know, if, <clears throat> sorry, they're not as flaky. Um, who are some of your larger clients? I know, I, I know Carvana um, is one of your clients. Okay. Is that like your largest client or you have other clients as well? Um, right now, Carvana, yes, they're, they're huge and they, they use us for our data aggregation. Um, they actually don't run reports on our system, which is really funny. And then there's a, a lot of others. I mean, you can see them on our website. I am blanking on them right now because that hot sauce really got to me. <laughs> I'm like trying not to it cry. Is, it is getting spicy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, uh, whew. um, all right. Yeah, I, I don't see. I, I couldn't find anything on your website. I know. I yeah, know Carvana for it. sure. Um, yeah. Oh, here it is. Here it um, is. I can name some. Yeah. And oh, well. Hey, Gated is a customer. Gated is a customer. So anyhow. SendGrid, yeah. Unbounce, Microsoft, Lucid Chart. They're all customers that are on your website. Is that are those all your customers? I need to verify some of them. There's one in there that I'm like, oh, crap, I think that turned. So let me, yeah, I need to verify some of them. Okay. All right. So this is not come from Jen. I'm behind on a lot of things, including the website. And I'm like, I don't quote me on, on everything that's on the website. There's like one page of management. All right. Those companies I just listed, not quotable. Those are not quotable. So we'll not quotable. those yeah. off for a second. What's your best cool. performing channel, would you say? by CPA or, or ROI? I have a guess, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, it's from, it's organic. It's like, I have a hard time making anything perform as well as organic right now. And that is not usual. It's that not. is not my normal experience. It just organic is kicking the crap out of things, which is why I turned off paid search. Yeah. Oh, you guys turned off. When did you guys turn off paid search? I did some experiments with it in August, September. And um, I, well, my consultant did some experiments. I've, I've used the same guy forever. And um, we just couldn't crack it in that amount of time from a conversion rate. And so he even said, and I hate to do this because it cuts my commission, but I think we should turn this off. Yeah, it's, it's getting, it's getting ridiculous expensive, ridiculously expensive, right? Yeah. PPC. Yeah. 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 Yeah, our CPC was pretty high compared to our ACV because we have so many small customers. Our ACV is like basically 10K. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a breaking point for a lot of paid channels. Like if you don't have an ACV of more than 10K and you tend to get smaller smaller customers through those channels, like your payback period is is too long yeah. to matter. Exactly. And CPA, CPA yeah. can be like, you know, in the thousands, four or five thousand, depending on right, where you guys are right. at. And then I'm lucky that I have like a 42 month LTV. Like people, people stay. I have customers that have been on the platform for more than 10 wow. years. But, um, but even then, if you're only paying $300 a month, it's going to take a long time to pay back an acquisition of $6,000. Exactly. Was that, was that your CPA? Was that what you guys found on, on with your tech? No, no. Because I was only running tests, my CPA was almost infinite if I looked at channel spend. Exactly. I had like one customer that was going to convert. I mean, there's a reason I quit doing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you guys do any kind of like um, like BDR kind of type stuff? Um, SDR? No. 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 As I said, 
are, are, we do not do any outbound. And what's interesting is I hear from, uh, especially my friends in rev room, because a lot of them are in yeah. sales that outbound is suffering badly right now. And so, but my ACV is too low. And I mean, when Aaron Ross wrote predictable revenue, he even said back at the time that 10 K was the, was the line. And that was more than a decade ago. So, you know, that line is higher oh, now. Yeah, for sure. And like we talked about yeah. earlier, we're kind of in a recession. So companies are just holding think, back on their spend, putting a pause yeah. on everything because interest rates are increasing. So the sales, I've, I've heard that the sales, um, the sales periods have been delayed just a lot longer. Oh yeah. What was, what was a six week sales period is now like 12 to 15. What was 12 weeks is now six months. What was six months is now a year. Absolutely. I've heard doubling anecdotally. Doubling, yeah. And for you guys, what's the, what's the sales cycle now? Like historically, then what is it now? I historically, I don't know. Um, when I got in the door, there was literally no sales. Like we didn't know how to close a deal. And so I have a salesperson now. He can close deals. He is closing deals, closed a couple of really nice ones last month. Nice. Uh, but the sales cycle is really like eight weeks, which is a long time for a low ACV product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's dive a little bit into while we still have you. Um, let's dive a little bit into your, your back. So, I mean, obviously. Okay. Hopefully I can answer those questions because I dread doing another hot sauce. Oh, no more. No more <laughs> that. I, I don't want to do it for my, my health, my personal health. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. So we've already dove into your background. We don't need to do it again, but big companies, HubSpot, mm -hmm. Amazon, now Kissmetrics. Where do yeah. you attribute all your uh, success? You you talked about not really having a mentor in in um, yeah. But like like where do you attribute your success? Um, sorry, the first thought that came into my mind. My grandfather used to say that every time he found a parking spot in Manhattan, it was because of clean living and high ideals. So I almost just gave you that <laughs> that answer. I. Is, <laughs> I want to say that my career path has been frustrating because I, I feel like I'm the epitome of the difference. You know, there's our cartoon, what people think success looks like, and it's a straight line, and then what success actually looks like, and it's this tangled knot. And it's like your face. And it's just, it's just your old, face, like just Jen Steele's face right there. And it's like... <laughs> and I have been all over the place. Some of it is I, I tend to look to overcome my weaknesses. Uh. And I tend to try to fill holes and gaps. But also... Um, there's a couple things. One is that I, I apparently built enough of a personal brand that companies started coming after me. And so that, you know, like Madison logic came after me, Orson came after me, you know, cause metrics came after me. Right. And so it was, that's been useful and just being a person that people kind of like. Um, but also I love to learn and I love people. And I think that some of what you see in my career path is just like, oh, what's over there? Hmm, that could be fun. Uh, yeah. And then as far as success goes, some of it is how you define success. My title looks great, but I can fail at this, right? It's easy to, it's not, it's relatively easy to fail as a CEO. People do it all the time. I'm a first time CEO. We'll see if I do it. Um, 
but I can also define it as a success because I'm like, well, do I like the job? Do I not like the job? And have I learned something? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with the, with the personal brand. You've been at it a lot longer. Um, right now, I, I see that's because I'm a lot I see older. That you're quite active on. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Um, <laughs> I see that you're quite active on LinkedIn right now. And like some of your posts, 200 <laughs> likes, you know, thousands of impressions, like a lot yeah. of people know you. Have you always used LinkedIn from the beginning or did you use other platforms? Like, were you active on Twitter? Like, how did you build your personal brand free? So I was able to transfer into marketing because of blogging and my Twitter use. So they thought I was good at top of the funnel, hired me into consulting and and promoted me into management fairly quickly. And um, some of it is authenticity. Um, some of, and LinkedIn, I, I go hot and cold. I haven't posted on LinkedIn in over a month because I have just been slammed that. And I only really post on LinkedIn when I have something to rant about and I have rants stewing. I just haven't posted them quite yet. Man, maybe you can start rant- how horrible this experience on this podcast was because you're stopping. Who the heck does, the heck does that? Yes. Like, I'm going to go to my doctor, <laughs> like this guy and just start. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm totally taking my hat acid after this. There's no question. <laughs> yeah. No, because uh, I'm looking at, like, I totally agree with you. Per- building a personal brand, by the way, marketers listening that are in that early stage, you know, if you're in your first couple of years or even your first five years of marketing and you're in that mid to junior level, start your personal brand building now because one, I'll tell you, I started, I started this podcast a year ago. I used to, my post on LinkedIn used to probably get, you know, a couple of thousand views, maybe 10 likes, 20 likes. Um, Now it's like regularly hitting 60 plus. um, I've run founder events now. So starting to be someone that people go towards for running good events and like being like a, being a thought leader. I think that's super duper important. Um, Right. uh, would you, is that what you would do yeah. if you were? Yeah, you have a really good pony. Um, learning to write and learning to do public speaking, both of which I learned actually in high school and through right. college, have helped me immensely in my career. That I can get on stage and speak. And yes, I can kick back and do a panel or do something like this, but I can actually I can also do the TED Talk style, right? I've I've learned all these different styles of, of public speaking. And so I'm on stage. Yay. Uh, and that helps a mm. lot. I got invited to do a, a talk in Vancouver. Um, maybe I'm. Maybe we'll have to talk after this and see if, uh, if you're interested. <laughs> happy yeah. to help. What's up? I'm happy to help at least. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, talk to me about your uh, who who Jen was growing up as a kid. Like, what kind of things were you interested in? Um, what and and like your friends and family members that looked at that looked at you as a kid. Would they have would they have said, you know, Jen's gonna be a really good CEO one day when you're a Oh, they thought I was gonna be a scientist. They thought I was gonna be a scientist or a doctor like my daddy. Uh, I was the geeky kid who always was reading a book in the corner. I was tall and skinny with glasses and um no depth perception. I was horrible at softball. <laughs> um I rode horses but was scared of horseback riding i would go fishing but i was terrified of like taking the hook out of the fish's mouth i was i was that nerdy little girl um and yes everybody would have told you that i was going to become a scientist but 
I just didn't want to go to grad school. And my sister, who's now a tenured professor of biomedical engineering, has been known to say to me that I would have been a great professor and a horrible grad student. So it's probably a good thing I didn't do that. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And so your dad was a doctor. What about your mom? Uh, my mom was stay at home. My stepmom is as a nurse. Okay. Okay. So, so, so and uh, do you think you learned quite a bit from your from your parents on you know things that you've learned how were transferable to to what you're doing now or or not really? Yeah. Well, I actually think that the story of my career actually comes down to something that my mother told me when I was a little little girl. That See, my mother was absolutely brilliant. Graduated from high school at 16 and college at 20 um, in three and a half terms um, and then was a stay at home mom. And she told me once when I was a little girl, well, I'm smarter than your father. My mother apparently also had an ego. And she we said, but but he has drive that I don't. No. And the one thing about me is that I might not know exactly where I'm going or exactly what the next step is, but I am incredibly driven to it. That's what your mom said or, or your, your dad said? Yeah, well, that's my mom said that my dad had drive and that inspired uh, me and my drive. I see. And what drives you? Like, what? Oh, this weird internal pressure. I am like so type A. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's, it's all just, it's just all about Jen. It's about being better than Jen yesterday. Like, is that what drives you or? I think it's doing the right thing is very important to me. Um, not being a perfectionist, but like, is it right? Is it good? Are we moving forward? Are people growing? Um, I, I have sometimes said, I just want everybody, I want to inspire people around me to just be a little bit better every day. And, and I just, there's, I have an incredible internal pressure to see what's over the next hill. Yeah. Um, do you consider yourself an extrovert or introvert? I am an extrovert. I get my energy from being around other people. So I am an energy vampire. I see. Are you like 100% extrovert or do you think you're like 80% extrovert and 20% introvert? Because there's all these studies that say that you, you cannot be 100% one. What do you, you thought? Right. I mean, heck, I, my hobbies are books and I like to listen to podcasts and crochet. Those are very introverted hobbies. But if you're going to ask me, like I always say, it, when you complete the sentence, I'm so tired, I just want to. An introvert says, go home. And I say, go yeah. out. It's interesting. I'm, I'm the same way. Like I spend a lot of time, obviously I podcast a lot. So I'm, I am talking okay. to people, but I'm by myself all the time, like all week, right. all week long. And I'm the same way. Like after a long day, um, I spend probably 12, 14 hours by myself a day. And, but mm -hmm. after a long day, I just want to go grab a beer and grab, grab food with other yeah. people all, all the time. Like I'm never tired. I'm not never yep. too tired to see people and I'm the same way. So it's hard. Yes. Like some people would call me an introvert because I'm spending so much time alone. But I like to think of myself as I think I'm becoming I'm like a closeted extrovert that's coming out. Or, or it could just be as we discovered during the so I'm married to an introvert. And as we discovered, even introverts have their limits. Yeah. During the pandemic, living downtown, we weren't leaving the house. And even my husband was like, I miss bars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, I think that might have been it, you know, spending so much time uh, in, in wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last, last question uh, or last couple of questions. Um, anything that um, 
keeps you up at night nowadays? Is it mostly your CEO role or you think about other things nowadays? Like what? I'm laughing because it's been my upstairs neighbors. They're like elephants. I don't even know. <laughs> We're actually going to move to a different apartment in this building because they are literally keeping me up at night. I haven't slept through that. I was up for an hour and a half last night, three hours the night before. I'm exhausted. What are their names? Let, let's throw them on the pod right now. I don't know. I don't Mr. know. Mr. and Mrs. Elephant. Yeah. Um, what about like any, any trends that you're thinking about um, that you think about a lot? Like, for example, um, AI, chat, GBT, like thinking about how to incorporate that or anything that you that really keeps, uh, you know, that you're thinking about a lot either during yeah. work uh, or even after work that's, that's related to marketing. Yeah. I'm thinking a lot about product-led growth, both that people think it's difficult to measure, except that I have a, have a platform that actually allows you to measure it, um, but nobody knows. And so, but I also think about my own product-led growth effort and how I don't, I don't think it's performing to where it should be. And so that's probably the trend that I'm spending more of my brain power on. And then, because, because most of what interests me is basically what's going to forward the company. Um, and so the two things I'm thinking about are how much GA4 sucks and we're better and how to measure product-led growth and how to actually make mine suck less. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think the overall trend that I'm hearing from you and from a lot of people, cutting back on performance marketing and then increasing on some, <laughs> something, either product-led growth as a, yeah. as a, you know, as a SaaS product, you should be PLG uh-huh. or focusing on com- uh-huh. doubling down on community and events. Either one right. or the other, right? And cutting back on performance. Yeah. So that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Um, that Jen, makes sense. This has been super duper fun. I'm not gonna get us to do a, another shot because I got. I think I got to get some food in my stomach. Um, but we will. <laughs> Those chips are. Yeah, out. it's it's been it, it was an amazing hour long conversation. Um, before <laughs> we jump out, any like how can we? Can we connect with you? Can we follow you? Like people that are listening, to, should we follow you on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Is that where you do most of your talking? LinkedIn's probably the best. Okay. Um, I'm Jen Steele, pretty much everywhere. J-E-N-N-S-T-E-E-L-E. That's LinkedIn, Twitter, although I don't post there much anymore. I believe I'm that on Instagram as well. And if you like pictures of like wine glasses in the Seattle city skyline, then that's that's pretty much all you'll see on my Instagram. Yeah, no, it's been incredible. Thank you so much, Jen, uh, for your time. We'll have to get you back for round two um, at some point later on in the year or next year. Hear more about where Kessmetric is is at. But uh, until then, Sounds thanks good. so much for for joining. So I hope you like that episode. Rather than sitting here and telling you to hit that subscribe button or smash the like button, I'll say this instead. Send me a screenshot if you actually liked one of our episodes or you subscribe to our channel, and I'll take the next hot sauce shot with your name on it. Even better, you can come on the show, ask questions and take hot sauce shots together with the next CEO, CMO or founder that comes on the show. I hope that you've learned a few things or two listening to some of our episodes. We post every Friday. And finally, if you have any feedback or ways that I can improve the show, let me know. Thanks, see you on the next one.